Since the last time we we did our recording, started practicing my drawing because you inspired me so much. <gasps> I love so it. I'm not amazing, but I definitely <laughs> I bet you're like sending Elena things like, "Look at this character I yeah. drew." And it's like not that awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you'll have fantastic. to send me some. You'll have to send me some. I'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, welcome to the Keyword Thirst Podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly. I'm with Elena. I'm with Daniela. I, it's it's a it's a twofer. It's a, I've never had co-authors before. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh my you. gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay, y'all. Okay. So I have thoughts and I have feelings. Okay. As it should shock no one that I have both thoughts and feelings. Because <laughs> that's basically all this podcast is. It's uh, me ranting nonsensically at poor people who agree to be on. Uh, as Daniela, who has been on the podcast before, knows, um, my listeners heard uh, our episode together, which, God help me, I don't remember the number of that episode. We're in the high 80s now, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is a lot. So I have since completely ejected all numbers from my brain. But... Uh, we we had we talked we had a great conversation about um, romance and about world building and about the journey to writing and representation within within our work and also Brandon Sanderson and how I'm never going to read his books I'm sorry but I'm just not going to do it. Um, <laughs> they're too long anyway um, but that was kind of a primer for this joint episode because you guys have a new book coming out. Yeah. Yes. The Pirate Steel. A week and a half. Yep. It's May 24th. So today is the 15th. So yeah, a week and a half. But technically, the, the paperback is already up, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we needed to send out Amazon physical copies uh-huh, and get... Yeah. Because Amazon doesn't let you do many... Well, people who have seen any publishers before have seen that like Amazon doesn't let you do pre-orders for physical copies. And no. they let you do author copies, but they do not let you get the author copies without the watermark. So if we want to send out physical arcs or giveaways or stuff like that, we have to publish it ahead of time. And then just mm-hmm. like buy a bunch of copies and be like, yeah, you can pre-order the ebook. <laughs> the ebook has a hard <laughs> date, but the paperback, yeah, usually gets published early. I, I still have not found a workaround for that one. So if uh, somebody knows... Well, what I what I've done, um, if if ever you uh, run into this problem again, um, is you can order custom copies through uh, Lulu, um, hey. which is a bit of a pain in the butt. But mm-hmm. if it's if it's really a matter of like you guys not having the ability to like, because Amazon's system is ridiculous why you can't put up a pre-order for a book that's going to be print on demand anyway like Mm, right um (laughs) yeah okay fine 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 um uh but you can you can just order them uh just to whatever number you need i just ordered my print proofs uh for the special editions of consort's glory Mm -hmm. that are coming out in the book boxes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and uh you just upload a pdf file and there you go. And you just, I just looked it, it up. I have it bookmarked. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I asked. It's a bit of a pain about like, to format, but it's fine. 
Yeah, I imagine. Um, well, because we have to do PDF. We we use Vellum Press for our formatting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fantastic. I I really recommend it. I I know Vellum's that it's great. Like, yeah, I use it. A Mac only thing. I know that everyone's like, but why? I don't know. I don't know. But it's so. I good. don't know. But honestly, it's if you have a Mac, it's absolutely, so it's worth mm-hmm. its weight in gold. It is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. We both. Daniela got it, and then um, I got a Mac for work, and I was like, well, obviously, I'm gonna get it. And then I produced a lot of books in a really short period of time, and I think Danielle uh-huh. was really happy she didn't have to format those. For me. Yeah. But she bought so a Mac. That was great. Like she keeps saying it was for work, but we know it was for Vellum. Like <laughs> for the teach. Uh, so, I mean, for my husband, it was for work. So <laughs> I, I definitely like I. It's been amazing for just whipping up like really quick e arcs for particularly mm-hmm. for my novellas, right? Where I have friends who who are just like, hey, I want to read that, and I'm like, okay, fine, let me just like, you know, make an <laughs> yep, e arc and. In 20 minutes mm-hmm. and send it to you in an email. Um, but for listeners at home, Vellum is a book formatting software that um, is amazing. But the book formatting is like one of the most archaic and ridiculous processes. Like if your font isn't exactly right, if you have like a hidden font somewhere that's not rasterized, mm-hmm. like it can make it so that you can't actually publish the book. Like things get really janky. It's, it has to calculate the pages correctly. The margins have to be correct. Vellum is amazing because it does about all of the work for you, really. Um, but the only problem with Lulu in particular, the printing service, is that um, they're like cover template. Mm-hmm. doesn't actually account for the spine width like it's not adjustable yeah so when you go to like upload your stuff it'll tell you like okay now upload your your uh cover and it'll be like oh this isn't the right size when it's like but i did it to the exact mm-hmm. template mm-hmm. and it's because the template doesn't account for how many pages your book actually is so that is the only that's the only trick to it is you have to upload the book first figure out how big your file needs to be and then adjust from there mm-hmm. Because doing it the opposite direction doesn't actually work. Now, I know what you're saying. Abigail, how did you figure this out? Well, I'm an illustrator, so I did all of this work for all of these beautiful covers to the exact specifications of the fabulous template that they they provide. And then... I had a mental breakdown when I had to keep adjusting it because I couldn't figure out why it wasn't right. Anyway, oh, other than yeah, that, it's and there's fine. nothing more brain racking than that too because uh, all of that is money, right? Mess ups in yeah. those mm-hmm. areas equal dollars, right? They equal uh-huh. literal bucks that you are paying for a book that is then no longer usable, right? And some people mm-hmm. I know get around this where they sell. Um, copies that have been like slightly damaged and stuff but for for some of the formatting yeah. stuff Miss it Prince. just doesn't work you know yeah. so it's a big pain yeah and it's a, it's a huge pain yeah and so, so trying to get that out because we have gotten this is our first book that we've gotten as much interest in before mm-hmm. it's been published right partially because yeah. you have such a gorgeous <sighs> cover yeah, yes. we love our illustrators. Also, it's about pirates Tell me, and mermaids. Okay? So. I'm going to take it credit for that one. I'm going to take credit for a lot of stuff, but I found an artist, and I can show you the cover. They, everybody else can't see it, but maybe if they follow me on Instagram, they'll see it one day. So I found an artist that made this cover of a witch, okay, a fae witch, and it was so stunning, uh-huh. and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I told Elena... 
I'm going to buy this. And I had never spent as much on a cover before. It's actually quite economic <laughs> for illustrated covers, but I had never spent that much on a cover. Couldn't justify it. I was baby, brand new, had only published one book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and Elena and I got the idea to write our first book, which was Opposite Ends of the Sea, which is the first book of the series, but it, it doesn't really matter because they're all standalone, so you can read in any order. There's a suggested <laughs> reading order, but we've had now literally hundreds of people who have read book two without mm-hmm. having yeah. read book one, right? And so they go back and read yeah, book one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did that. I, I had no trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's not a big deal um, to do it that way. And when I saw this cover, I was like, I want to use that cover, but we're going to need to make some changes. So I contacted the artist mm-hmm. that made this pre-made and nobody was buying the cover. Like it was just in one of those author pre-made groups. Nobody bought it. For six months, I bought it <laughs> when it was on sale. And yeah. now the artist makes those types of covers exclusively for our series. And every time mm-hmm. anyone sees them, they flip out. They're like, where did you get that? What price did you yeah. get? You know, all this stuff. Like authors and readers alike, we get mm-hmm. tagged in posts all the time about how this is like a, a total what's the word um cover by right they saw the cover and they're like that's the one mm-hmm. yeah this is yeah. the cover and it will be a book one day i don't know if you can see that but it's just like oh, this stunning witch glowy. with pointy ears and, and glowy stuff and so he his name is shane and he mm-hmm. has done a lot for us now so he has made four he's made these he will two be making a yep. fifth cover for us soon so i mean we don't have wow. five books out right but that is um we are working on a lot of books <laughs> yeah so, well now you uh, have inspiration to get five <laughs> books out is yes. the thing. <laughs> and he's doing the cover um for me as well for like the thing chronicles he's doing Man. them which is just awesome he's so good and uh, like we are we don't really want to share him with the world because he's doing so much for us but he's doing such a good job um, i share awesome. i share yeah. him i've sent his instagram to people who have asked me but if people are just like where do you get that color i just our cover i just like put a smiley face if you ask me i will tell you but i will not mm-hmm. offer it publicly <laughs> it's so, good. It's so I funny i was thinking about that up. recently i was thinking about like how um covetous we are of like our little our like special things that we feel like mm-hmm. are even if they're like other their artists or something or yeah. like vendors or something because I, I thought about um recently I follow a lot of like really amazing artists and some of them do these really incredible enamel pins I was like fuck like where are they getting their pins made because like mm-hmm. manufacturing wise like yes. you can just look up on the internet like where do you get make pins and you'll come mm-hmm. up with a bunch of stuff but they I'm like I know they... for a fact that those are really nice pins where do you get those made and they keep it secret and i'm like y'all oh. <laughs> that doesn't help the ecosystem we're doing a kickstarter and like one of the things that everybody wants is pins for kickstarter mm-hmm. levels we're developing one for our, our spin-off series for this yeah and yeah everybody's like where do you buy pins and like they show you these I know. crappy cheap ones and i don't want those i want the nice ones so i yeah. think i might have found a couple of places that do that do good stuff but i it's so mm-hmm. hard without like a without uh, proof right and a lot mm-hmm. of the places don't do physical proofs so mm-hmm. it's i don't so, know and, and you have to order in bulk too so you, you yeah can exactly buy you're committing to a huge order of something that might not be good yeah exactly and and 100 sometimes is rare on some of the sites as well because they want you to do like really really truly bulk so you're likely getting 500 of these pins that might look nice and they might not so you have to know people who are going to be very generous with your information that's one of the things i wouldn't yeah. say that they're 
gatekeepers i don't i don't i don't think it's that i think it's just like they've been no. in the business long enough that they're trying to protect what they have right because for example yeah. one of my friends has an amazing book illustrator um and when she started sharing it with other people that book illustrator then got booked up and she couldn't use that illustrator anymore because she was yeah. like oh no i forgot to book and and she had a tight schedule and stuff so it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you're like i mean i don't want to like forbid people from knowing this but I also want to make sure that this 11 book series that I am working my way through that already has standardized covers or or already has this thing like doesn't mm-hmm. get used mm-hmm. up you know so I understand absolutely <laughs> I get it I I mean I feel the the instinct too where I'm like oh I just got this like I for instance I just got mm-hmm. a lot of stickers in for my book boxes <laughs> I saw and my stickers so pretty mm-hmm. <gasps> they're so good y'all so good. Now I've got the madness, and I ordered four hundred dollars of stickers last night. Um, because I, I literally, so I had this idea. I'm like, I, I'm not secret about any of my shit because I feel like I don't know. The best way to get people interested in your stuff is when you talk mm-hmm. about it. So, um, I I've decided that I'm going to be doing um, uh, uh, Patreon like welcome packets. Mm-hmm. So Love when it. you join my Patreon, yes. now you're going to get your tier sticker, you're going to get a thank you note, and you're going to get a glow-in-the-dark um, galaxy heart Aww. sticker that I made um, for my uh, Patreon Discord. It's actually an emote that I made, but it's this really fun Lisa Frank-style bit of space um, <laughs> in a heart, and it's going to be glow-in-the-dark. It's going to be awesome. Aww. But I'm also doing a I'm I'm doing a hiatus for my novellas, which I do about mm-hmm. every other month, um, because I need to write book two, the actual novel book two in the series, and I can't be writing novellas at the same time that I do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do? Like, shit, that's gonna be like two months where no one's gonna get novellas, and I have mm-hmm. tears that are like specifically paying for novellas. Mm-hmm. Do I think they would care that they're not actually getting them? No, because they're all very generous <laughs> souls. But I feel bad, so I decided I'm gonna do um, a bunch of uh, like really fancy, <laughs> ridiculous chrome and hollow stickers uh, mm-hmm. f- to make up for that for those oh. tiers. So everyone's getting a bunch of stickers. Oh, so anyway, I, I went sticker oh. crazy, but I had this this I like feeling it, like though. oh, honestly, your Patreon I love is my one stickers. of my favorites to look at. I I've, I've checked it out a couple of times. I am not a subscriber. Solely because I don't live in the U.S., so I can't always get all the fun things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, I it's love not, the way your Patreon looks. Mm-hmm. It's not – Patreon's not accessible to everybody. Like, internationally, mm-hmm, yeah. financially, it's just not. And so, like, I don't, you know, begrudge anyone for not doing it. That's why I make mm-hmm. a lot of my stuff. Like, the art is always free to look at for everybody because, mm-hmm. like – Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna make more. I don't pay for the art. <laughs> I I I artist. I do. So whatever. Yeah, and that's a huge but, motivator, I think, for people to learn how to or to get on Patreon too, because like a lot yeah. of Patreons mm-hmm. that I have subscribed to in the past, it, they're always art. I'll pay two dollars yeah. to look at your pictures. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I, I yeah yeah. But I I so. definitely when I was ordering my stickers, like I had this thought, like oh. I'm so glad these stickers are amazing. Then I was like, well, I hope nobody else uses this place that makes these stickers. <laughs> and then I was like, that's crazy. That's crazy. I want everybody to have high quality stickers. Everyone mm-hmm. should do stickers. So anyway, yeah. also, these people who make them are fantastic and super responsive, super high quality, super nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my stickers. It, they did like two days shipping to get to me. I didn't wow. pay any extra. They were amazing. I got them so fast. Um, also, well, I do live in California and they're in Portland, but like we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but they're called Sticker Ninja. If y'all want to need, need need stickers for your Kickstarter, mm-hmm. 
cannot recommend enough. They're amazing. That's um, awesome. But yeah, yeah. I think we, there's a there's a weird proprietary. We joined thing. in with an author co-op type thing for developing our campaign. So we have mm-hmm. a couple of ins for fulfillment because for anybody listening whoever listened to my last podcast you know that i live in mexico elena lives in mm-hmm. canada so yeah we don't <laughs> not have that much easier the- <laughs> for shipping yeah no. none of the perks <laughs> so it's really not like, like <laughs> yeah i live close to like, the oh, u.s border this, but we no but, but shipping to canada not. is so expensive mm-hmm. and shipping from canada is expensive yeah yeah, it's expensive to mail things. Like, there's a lot. It's it's big, so so it's it's understandable. Um, but it's so it is expensive to get things from the states. Um, and then like when we talked about proofs earlier, when I'm ordering an author proof, I have to buy like a real copy of my book first before they even let me buy an author copy. Oh no! Because I live in Canada, and I'm like, I just want my yeah. real book, please. Um, oh, or yeah. so, or like, if I buy, I can buy it from the U.S. But I can, if I order it like a real book from Canada, and then they'll be like, "Oh, you must want actual author copies from Canada." And then I'm like, "Just do it first, um, and then I can get Thank it." Thank you, Amazon. Oh, you have to prove your identity first. Amazon doesn't trust Canadians, which <laughs> is fair. You're all moose in disguise. <laughs> One time, Elena and I just had a whole conversation about like, um, what's the word? misjudgments assumptions about canadians never ends well (laughs) we need a good canadian at some point we're going to need to make a good strong canadian inspired protagonist so that everybody can see what canadians are really like honestly i'm surprised that we don't get more um i i i think about that a lot where i'm like oh man how come all romance novels are either set in america or england i'm like can i can I get like a romance set in Australia or Canada or like like anywhere? I mean, I just mm-hmm. y'all, I, like, I, I, there's more places. And it always I, makes I, me laugh I, when there's Canadian authors that write about the U.S. too. Like I've seen yeah. that also where it's like, yeah, I'm Canadian, and they're writing about New York. It's like, but why? I don't care about that. Place. Yes, I, so. I guess like reader expectations. I don't know, but take me somewhere else. I don't. I don't need to be here. Please. I live here. <laughs> um, that's so funny because we we write about being like on the water and outside and like I do not do outside or on yeah. the water. And yeah. and so yeah. I was like, we write about so many things that we like don't experience. And Danielle and I talk about that because I'm like really introverted. And then we talk about like people t- talking to other people and doing people things. And I'm like, but I don't do people things. <laughs> that yeah, we talk about I'm really it. good at because of my history and playwriting and screenwriting and stuff, I'm really good at like emulating, imitating what I think people would experience, but I am not yeah. like that. So I, I think, and on podcasts too, if I know somebody like an author friend, I'll be friends. You know, Elena and I chat 24 seven practically. We're, mm-hmm. we're always talking to each other, but outside of that, I do not have a social life. Like people are like, wow, you're really chatty. You're really fun. You're really friendly. Mm-hmm. I respond to emails. I message people back. I have not had a girl's night since 2021. Okay. Like I do not go out. I do not do things. <laughs> yeah. I do not do the thingy things and have dinner parties and stuff like that. I stay in my house and I love it. Okay. I'm not unhappy. I'm not depressed. I really enjoy my life, but I am not. <laughs> 
you know, I don't know. I am not. I mean, my that's the writer way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? I don't know. People, I don't know a single writer who's like, yeah, let's go party or anything. It's always just like, yeah, well, I've uh, I've only spoken to my cat for the last 14 days <laughs> yep. um, mm-hmm. and people on the Internet. And I'm like, yeah, same. <laughs> like, I, I don't much, know. Yep. I don't do things. I mean, not just because of the pandemic. I didn't do things before either. So, like, I can't yeah. even use that excuse. The pandemic just, like, normalized the way of my life. And so I was oh like, my this God. is perfect because, uh, yeah, I'm good <laughs> yeah. with that. I, I, yeah. I said when the when the pandemic started, I was like, oh, this is, like, a reinforcement of all of my worst habits, which is just <laughs> that I don't need to talk to anybody ever or do things ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fresh air? I don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> I do try to go walking just because it's, like, you know... Well, the sun. I don't see the sun otherwise. You need, you need but, vitamin D. Yeah, you need your, your quick walk and stuff. But I, I'm the neighbor that doesn't say hello to people. And it's not because I don't like people. Like, I, I a lot of a lot of introduced are like, mm, I don't like people. It's not that. I just it really scared of people. <laughs> not in like the, I think they're going to stab me, but mostly just like, I don't want to talk to you because I don't know what to say. <laughs> so I don't know how this social interaction is going to go. I don't know how this boat is going to steer. So I'm just going to yeah, avoid it altogether. So it's just easier to yeah. just walk by and just like put my headphones in and just, you know, exist. I, I used to be that way. And then I started working at a bookstore and I had to talk to people 24 seven. Um, and then I started a podcast and now I really have to talk to people all the time. <laughs> so now yeah. I'm just like, I can talk to anybody for an hour and not have an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that I'm still not That is stunning, social. and I love you for it. I think that that's amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Really I just good. like talking about things that I love. Speaking of things that I love, <laughs> you guys wrote a book. Yeah. We did. Pirate's Deal. We did. Which is, a, which I didn't realize is a sort of retelling of uh, The Little Mermaid. Hello, that was a surprise yes. to me. Abigail, you should have read the blurb. Didn't just read it because I was like, I know this is gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> I like, I literally was like, I was like, oh yeah, did you? Melinda wrote a book. All right, chip. And I was like, I don't know. Didn't even bother looking. <laughs> literally, yeah. well, no context with those at things all. Too, with retellings, our first book, Opposite Ends of the Sea, we mark it as a Romeo and Juliet retelling because that's a really good thing. But it actually, it actually was written as a Milo and Keto retelling from Atlantis: The Lost Cities. So. <laughs> but no one oh knows that. Oh my god! Is, right? <laughs> so our characters are literally inspired in that. Okay, if you read it, mm-hmm. like people will be like, "Oh yeah, Romeo and Juliet." But that when I was writing Nathan, it was definitely Milo Thatch. Okay, like 100%. that is such a deep cut. Like, are you kidding? You did a secret Atlantis retelling? And it's so, like, it's so good. When we wrote it, Opposite Ends of the Sea was just, like, it just flowed. The pirate steel was, like. two and a half weeks. I'm not kidding. We wrote yeah, it in it was two so and a half fast. weeks. We were, like, bam, yeah. bam, bam. With wait, the hold steel. on. Hold, wait, stop. You wrote, you wrote Pirate Steel in two and a half no, weeks? No, no, no. We wrote Opposite, Opposite Ends of the Sea. Okay, because I was, like, this bitch months, is long. Is How yeah. did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. The pirate steel took us two months, um, and okay, part of that, that was my fault because I was like writing and editing two other books. Yeah, Elena well, yeah, wrote and edited enough. two other books while we wrote mm-hmm. that book. I wrote and edited one book, so you know, just I, I don't just know. girly things. I'm slower, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the yeah. pirate That's... steel is the longest book that either of us have written. I think it's 110,000 words, and it's it is long. a beauty. I am very, very proud mm-hmm. of how it came out. The opposite ends of the sea is 85,000 words for reference, so it's significantly okay. shorter. Um, but yeah, two, we, that took us two weeks, and it's it's 
fun. It's fun and short. You know, it's first novels tend to be shorter to get people to look at it. But like I said, most of the people that have come hooked into the series have now come from the longer books. So whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I've had this conversation, too, with several of my patrons who are like, Mm -hmm. Abigail, more content. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to give you more content. But you, y'all, like, I, I have, th- I need to, like, make sure it's good. And they're like, we're like, well, you could just, like, release the, like, cut stuff. And you could release the, like, the old versions of the book. And I was like, listen, y'all, I appreciate your enthusiasm. But first of all, it's dookie. Second of all, it's too long. And they're like, oh, we don't care. I, like, anything. I'll read anything. And I'm like, I appreciate that. But, like, it's too, it's too long. It's too long. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Whenever we just ask, like, <laughs> yeah. you don't know what you're asking for, okay? Some of those chapters you don't are know. in states that no words should have been written in, okay? Like I once <laughs> wrote, I once wrote like a whole chapter that explained the uh, the like medicinal properties of plants, like that had like no bearing on like the plot <laughs> at all. And I remember my best friend, who was my only beta reader for a long time, she like she read it, and she it's one of the only times she's ever like she's not really a reader except for my stuff mm-hmm. um so she doesn't give me a lot of like in-depth critiques so she typically doesn't mm-hmm. tell me like hey i think you should cut this or whatever but this is one of the only times that she circled it and was like i see what you were doing here but i don't think you need this <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah when readers think when they're like oh give us the uncut stuff what they don't realize is that the uncut stuff is just really not going to be the same caliber of the things that we actually published and said, okay, now you can read this Mm -hmm. for money. And so that's a big thing. Like, I don't know. I had one reader one time that was like, send me all the world building notes you have on this. I was like, no, you you don't really need those. You don't want it. You don't need to see. Yeah. You don't need to see me spend four pages just writing about like the process of a circumcision. Like, Please do not. Like, you know, Please. like you don't need to know. I beg. Uh, because in, in my first book, remember, there's a there's a the treatment that they give to men so that they don't have babies, which is a real thing that happens to women around the world. Right. Remember, we talked about mm-hmm. that. But um, I researched and like made notes on how that is done. I know in depth how to castrate a man by doing yeah. those types of surgeries. Right. You don't need to see that. OK, you can Google it. No. So. <laughs> So, I think yeah. also people, I mean, I, I, it's coming from a good place. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love that you want to read more. Um, mm-hmm. They don't really realize that, like, the reason you want to read more is because I have done the work that makes their original thing good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, be, and part of that work is cutting out the things that you act that would make you not want to read more. Um, yeah, that's the why. things that would inundate you with information and stuff. Yeah. I think that's also makes it... Uh, one of the reasons you can get away with doing, you know, longer and longer books, mm-hmm. like just as a, as a reference, when I look at the shelf of Sarah J. Mass books yeah. at the bookstore, <laughs> they get progressively longer until they're just these massive bricks. Mm-hmm. And it's because you've commit the the readers have committed. Mm-hmm. Once they get past the first book, they've committed to it, and they'll they'll be along for whatever you put down. Yeah. Um. So you can get away with writing a hundred and forty five thousand word mm-hmm. book. Um. And people will be there yeah. for you. But that's also something that, like, she talks about because when she submitted Throne of Glass, which was her first book that she published at 20 or 22 or whatever, it was 450,000 words. 
Like I read, I, I don't remember if I listened to it in what? interview or read a, bo- bo- a blog post. She's like, I'm the female George R.R. R. Martin, right? She's like, I can do it. And and she found an agent that was like, this is an excellent story. There's no way. Like you need to cut this There's down. There's so no way in hell. To 200,000 words. And they were like, no, this is still too long. Like still way too long. And she's like, I cut out half. And they're like, nope. And then um, she cut it down to 100 and I think 30,000 words. And they're like, this is still too long, but we'll let it slide. And Throne of Glass gets away from her really fast. Like those who are fans, I love it, okay? It's my favorite Sarah J. Mass series because of the world building and the characters. And I actually think that the characters are of better caliber than some of her later works because she spent so long ruminating over them and stuff. I just think they're a bit more like better developed but by the last book by kingdom of ash there are how many povs elena it's like over 12? a dozen i think we counted maybe 12, 14 13, 14 oh yeah, 14 my POVs. god and the book is over a thousand pages okay so that's I just excessive be... and i am a sarah j no. mass fan but her last several books with king of kingdom of ash i did not read every word i skimmed because i couldn't handle it right and i am a fan of hers i am a person who is paid for yeah. the special editions you know like i like her as an author and i like the way she talks about things for crescent city the 800 pages again i started skimming halfway through because it's, it's still too much you know and yeah. so i am a person who once I, when I was a reader, was like, yeah, give me the long books. But now as a publisher slash author and reader, I'm like, mm, please don't give me a book that's more than 600 pages. Yeah. Okay? We really yeah. like the length of um, The Pirate Steel. And we're going to be aiming for the same one when we write Tarnished by Time. Yeah. We're not, we're not hoping to go bigger. With our first book, we were, a lot of people told us like, please yeah. give us more. Okay. And so we did that. But now from here on out, I think that they're probably going to be, you know, about that length. It's a good length of chunky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good yeah. way to like include a good amount of world building and stuff while still giving readers, you know, the whole picture. It's not just world building. It's also the character relationships yeah. and the plot and the thoughts and the conversations. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's been interesting because I, I, <laughs> I am I, I also find myself kind of always falling within the same kind of uh word uh count range mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. I try to do. <laughs> pretty much. It's always like for yeah. my novellas, I think I'm I'm pretty much always gonna fall a little bit short of being an actual novella. It's it's like it's like well, I'm falling short, by which I mean I'm going to like 45 to 50k, <laughs> which is just a novel, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, That's a novel, honey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 50k is, is a novel. Yep. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a proud woman. I just, it's what I do. Um, and no matter what I do, I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, this one's going to be like, it's going to be short. I got, I don't really have much of a plot for it. And the next thing I know, I'm like adding like 12 characters and there's like, you know, a world ending explosion happening. And like, I don't know, there's like someone got arrested, someone got shot. Like it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, and for my novels, I almost always end my first drafts at like 90K, 100K. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I usually add about 15 to 20 K from there. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. and, and that's always kind of without fail. That's actually that mine and Elena's writing process as well. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we yeah. cut scenes. We definitely cut things, but through the mm-hmm. editing process, even from first to second draft, we always end up adding around 10,000 words, um, yeah. at least at the very least. Um, I think this last time it was around 20,000. 
with pirate steel but and with my yeah. last book well, because around 15 yeah like physically it, you compare it to like running a marathon right the mm-hmm. first draft is just physically getting the words down on the yep. page yes. and you can't do you can't get all of it at what like stamina wise mm-hmm. if you try to fit every single thing that needs to be in there in one shot yeah. like you're not going to do it you're going to be so exhausted by the end of the day every day when you write mm-hmm. um so you have to like just can be like, well, I'll go back and flesh out, you know, that scene later. I'm mm-hmm. an extremely clean writer. Like, I write very chronologically. Like, I can't skip around. I don't put mm-hmm. brackets in, like, put in sex scene. Like, nope. If it's going to be there, I got to write it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But still, I'm always like, okay, mental note. There's a p- huge plot hole there. You got to go back and f- add a 2,000 words because that's not going to make mm-hmm. any damn sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm very curious about your guys' writing process because I've never written with another person. So I'm wondering, well, that's a lie. I did like a narrative (laughs) RP for like five years, but Mm -hmm. like we're not going to, that's not, no, that's not the same. So I want to know how it it works between you guys. Like, do you guys like write, you know, a paragraph here and then the next person writes a paragraph? Are you writing strictly characters? What was That's a great question. So our books are dual POV. Um, mm-hmm. and so we like p- pick a person. So, um, in the pirate steel, I wrote Eric and Daniela wrote, um, Helena. And then basically we, I'm a, like, I'm a huge pantser. So I'm like the pantsierest pantser, um, <laughs> that exists. And so I will just, I will just sit and be like, okay, let's just see what happens. And Daniela it steers the train a little bit more, um, than, than I do. So we will like sometimes, um we just like we'll write a chapter sometimes it takes a couple of days um and then we'll be like okay like go look we have a shared document right actually we've just upgraded so now we have a shared email and then (gasps) so we can like log into the same um to our writing app um and do it but then we basically just like write the chapter and sometimes we'll have a conversation and be like does this do what you think um and then um the next person writes and we have a general idea like obviously we're writing romance so we we know that they're gonna be um doing things at like spots and we're like oh well we should probably have like this happening um in like the next couple chapters and then sometimes things don't work out or and sometimes um I will write something and then I'll be like hey go read it and then Danielle was like oh my god um did you did you write that obviously I wrote it but um but and then we just switch and so the other person writes and then we we just converse um and then we edit 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 and then when we do the final edits we like read and do the whole thing together if that makes sense yeah kind of go over it with fine tooth comb make sure everything's mm-hmm. coherent and similar yeah, and tone. read everybody's things we our process is really conducive to just communication. Like I said, Elena and I are really good friends. So we we message all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. like, I, I remember listening to when Holly Black wrote The Spiderwick Chronicles with, what's his name? <laughs> and they talked about how they would do like chapters each week and they would do them somewhat separately and then read them and try to like make them connect, right? So each week they would check in. Mm. See, that's, it's different for us because we just, 
we just talk, you know, we're just like chatty, chatty. Mm -hmm. So um, what ends up happening, and sometimes we meet in person, we'll do like a video call and we'll be like, okay, this is how we're doing about this. These are our goals. This is what we want. And um, Elena and I are expert brainstormers. So we don't have all of our books written, but we have notes on all of them and stuff because we'll be like, oh, what about this? And then what about that? And, And both of us kind of have, we have a different enough perspective about shared things that it's excellent mm-hmm. right so for our next book for example little teasers um and i already am laying down the groundwork for this because people are already asking for it mm-hmm. we got a ton of arc readers for this book um over 200 260 arc readers for the wow. pirate deal which was ex- excellent it was very very exciting um and mm-hmm. a lot of them have already messaged and been like okay we want book three which does not release until november which is not that far away but when you want it no I it's get not it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, it is about two characters that are introduced in the book, which is Adonius and Phaedra, which is our Hades and Persephone retelling, because mm-hmm. I am obsessed and cannot get away from that yes, kind yes, of yes. story, right? <laughs> so yep, yep, with yep. that one, yep, it's just so good. I'm I'm going to tell it until people don't like it anymore. And even then, I'll probably like, just call it something <laughs> else, you know? Um, so what's happening with this is... Adonius is obviously the king of a realm or a region mm-hmm. within Aranthium, but mm-hmm. he deals in what we are calling like um, reconciliation antiquities. Okay. So, what that means is that obviously, since he's an immortal being, he's been around through all the wars and all the rebellions and all the things, and he, you know, kind of going off of destroying the titans which is what the titomachy maniki does right to their parents with with zeus poseidon mm-hmm. and and hera and all of them so what's happening with him is he has all these artifacts that have been taken because of colonization and different things and he mm-hmm. finds them and gives them back to the regions that they were taken from right so that's like his oh. One of the things that he does as a king, okay? So reconciliation, Mm -hmm. antiquities, right? He's going through, he's finding these things. He's doing anthropological work. So we have Phaedra, who is this sweet little angel. Hades is a demon in this story. And she witnesses a white-collar crime in Zeus's kingdom, which is the kingdom of the angels, because Zeus is an angel. Which, funnily enough, when we introduced him in the book, we had one person who was like, I don't like that there are angels in this book because Jesus. And and okay, like I I am religious. Like I'll put that out there. I don't talk about that a lot because I try to keep a thing separate from my author and stuff life. But I don't get that argument at all because in the Bible, like angels are not the angels we are talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like not yeah. even close. <laughs> so anyway. I have yeah. also had to have that conversation with people in, in yeah. my universe because it was like, well, you have demons. Does that mean you have angels? And I was like... Uh, no, uh, I mean, like want, maybe you know? what you might mm-hmm. think of as like celestial beings, sure, but like mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, but also my demons aren't like demons aren't a strictly Christian thing no. either. They're like a just a malevolent force. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so I'm just, exactly. like, I'm just using the word loosey goosey in the same way that like you could use angels loosey goosey. Yeah. Um, but like that's also like having the where does Christianity fit into your your like magical pantheon mm-hmm. talk is always an interesting and you're like, it thing. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I literally not. created a whole new pantheon of gods so I wouldn't have to deal with this. Please. Mm-hmm. Same. 
same. Oh my goodness. I made a pantheon yeah. and I was like sending it to Elena and I was like drawing pictures. I was like, this one is the air and this one is the water. And, <laughs> like, and this is yep. the Daniela story. is like the world building queen out of the two of us. Like she does yeah. that. And then I do like the, the grammar. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you add a nice little bit of chaos though because like if you're the pantser yeah. like Daniela's setting up the space with all the toys and yeah. you're like all right i'm gonna do things that you did not even expect some I would of do like some of our favorite scenes like thorn thorn just showed up and i was like we need like i was like oh well we need to have like a visitor and then i was like i'm just gonna write this and now we have like a whole thing planned um but, oh my yeah, goodness. But i want to tell like, you all the things it's so good good <laughs> yeah so that's the thing elena and i are two extremely creative people that when we mm-hmm. come together to do this process even though we have a process that's quite formulaic at this point it mm-hmm. is so creative in the formula the formula just gives yeah. you the bones to create the body right and the body is going to be yeah. wacko every time which is really fun so so yeah back to like talking about idonius and phaedra like this white collar mm-hmm. crime comes it with art and i have a history mm-hmm. in humanities so i know like some art things which which is kind of fun and elena did women's studies in college elena yeah. wanted to be a, a what was it a lawyer right yeah for like a, yeah. a little bit yeah <laughs> So so Elena has like a all couple of, these of really smarties cool over here, man. I just yeah. went to so art we, school. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like over here, we're talking about these things. And and because we know about these things from different perspectives and from different mm-hmm. eras, we're like, oh, we should do something like this, right? Like these paintings that have highly tragic historical things. Um, mm-hmm. And the idea is. I can't give you the plot line, even though I really want to. But the idea is... Uh, you can't. You can't. It's not even... Color. You don't even have the pre-order up yet. You can't. It is. It's so good. We did, we did put the pre-order up. But it doesn't have the cover. <laughs> well, or then there we go. Or, like, more than 2,000 words. But we just know, like, what's, what's going to happen-ish. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they're going to fall in love, people. It's a romance. What? So I feel like that's... <laughs> That's not like a spoiler, um, because um, we write happy endings. Romance. Whenever people are like, <laughs> "What? That's a spoiler!" Like it's a romance. Romance have very yeah. specific. <laughs> but there's I only like it. two requirements in romance. Mm-hmm. Like that, it would, to saying that they get together and live happily ever after is not a spoiler. If it's yeah. the one yeah. requirement, that like. <laughs> Yeah, I, every time um, people say that, they're like, why would you tell me that, though? And it's it's like, well, I'm not, I'm literally telling you because of the genre. In fact, everybody that has mm-hmm. romance under their genre is telling you. If this uh-huh. were romantic uh-huh. fantasy, or if this were fantasy, high fantasy with a romantic <laughs> subplot, I would tell you something else, right? But this is... Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bad at getting those mixed up. What means what? I'm just like, yeah, it's all the same. It's just, it's if, I don't know. I'm going to give you <laughs> the Somebody asked me that the other day, and yeah. I was like... I don't, I don't, I, I realize that one puts more emphasis on the other, but mm-hmm. genuinely, like, I can't parse, like, what actually, which one is which. I'm <laughs> like, I don't hear any yeah. difference. Romantic um, fantasy but... and fantasy with a subplot does not require happily ever after. So fantasy romance, yeah. you are going to have the romance genre incorporated, which is that yeah. the, the people that you see there are going to be together and they are going to mm-hmm. end up happily for now or happily ever after, right? So a wedding, a relationship of some kind. And I'm sorry if anybody listening mm-hmm. to this is like, 
like, what? <laughs> like, they didn't pick up on that in their, like, <laughs> oh romance reader. I'm so sorry, but mm-hmm. that is a part of the genre. With romantic fantasy, somebody can die, okay? Both of them can die, actually. So you can have some tragedy mi- mixed in there. You can have the sweet, beautiful romance, but you are not going to have the same kind of feel-good, happily ever after. And you are not going to... Um, you, you like, and you might like have to wait a long time. Words. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Multiple books as well. Yeah. And then if it's a oh, fantasy, a romantic subplot, yeah. then that's likely going to be with side characters, not with the main character, typically. It's not my flave, y'all. It's not my yeah. Um, I am writing romantic fantasy, gal. but yeah, I know. Daniela loves fantasy romance, um, which is so good. We ro- went into the pirate seal and we were like, we are going to write this so slow burn and tension and like enemies to lovers. And we just had so much fun with it, um, <laughs> with drawing it out. And I think that was definitely new for both of us. And it was really fun to do, yeah. too. It's fun. I love slow burn. I I always say that um, I'm not going to do a slow burn. And then um, I'm 65K in and they haven't even had any (laughs) skin contact. And I'm like, ah. I love it. Okay. I (laughs) I love that. I tried, well, and with with Opposite Ends of the Sea, it's not insta-love, but it's insta-interest, right? Because, I mean, that's what happens with... For example, with Romeo and Juliet, like, you know, they see each other. And Romeo and Juliet is a tragedy, okay? Like, you don't have to come at me and be like, well, actually, I know. I've studied and read (laughs) Romeo and Juliet at least 15 times. I know, okay? But as a culture, because cultures can take things and change their meaning to fit, Mm -hmm. you know, norms and narratives that we have now, Romeo and Juliet, even though it was written as a tragedy and all of these things, it is perceived as a love story, Okay, it is perceived as romantic, even if it is not that. So um, people have have had their renaissance with with Romeo and Juliet, and we can see it, and people can say like, oh yeah, you know. And there are so many retellings now of Romeo and Juliet that have happily ever afters. Also, yeah, they just totally of, retcon the ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So and that's the other thing; yeah. it is meant to be. Yeah. Um, the idea of you taking things and, and you you can use the meaning that's cultural or uh, colloquial um, in addition to this other stuff. So with Romeo and Juliet, with them, like they see each other and they are like, Ooh, you know, like they're like, we don't even know each other's names. <laughs> I'm a horny 17 I, year old or whatever yeah, the hell. Exactly. Like, I am interested. Yeah. I am here. If this person asks me out, I am going to drop to one knee. And some people really enjoy that. In fact, we had some arc readers that read the Pirates deal were like enemies to lovers not my deal and they're like slow burn don't care for it so they went and read the other book and they were like actually this is the one for me and that i mean obviously it's not the majority but there are people Mm -hmm. who are experiencing that as well and they were like well it's something for everyone right we are telling different types of stories because Mm -hmm. this is going to be an extended like 10 plus book series um plus a spinoff So we want people to read it and find things that they might enjoy or because they like our writing style, maybe try out a different type of love story that they're not used to. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the, yeah. the goals that we have with this. But Well, that's the benefit of doing like a, a standalone series is mm-hmm. that you yes. can try something new in every one. And like eventually when you have a backlist that's long enough, you go like, oh, well, if you really like the world, but you don't like X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Well, good news. I've got four other books here that are different. Um, yeah. but are in the world that you already like. 
So Yeah, and I am like, because I have loved every book. Like, every book is a piece of my soul, but the Hades and Persephone retelling, like, the pining, <laughs> the pining, the age gap, the widowed man. <laughs> like, I am like, oh, like, every time I think about it, this That's is the good book stuff. that I would fall in love with. This is the book that I want to read. And Pirates Feel for Elena. Elena was like, enemies to yeah. lovers like like I, we all we each have I know. one so elena you and i are our kid i like, also love a good favorite. enemies to lovers i just wrote um like a super tropey enemies to lovers like massive slow burn um yeah. and i was like i would read this in an instant it has like faded maids and fake marriage and i was like i just threw all the tropes in it um and this yeah this is my like trope baby the pirate steel i just loved it i loved writing every second of it I love it. I like I writing love, tropes I think, because I think I'm learning how to do it without it feeling like it's a tropey novel. Because sometimes people hear the word tropey and they think like, I don't know, like just a really uh, caricature version of what it would be like. Like to if a it's a formulaic tropes. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it really, I really don't think a lot of tropey books feel like that. But it gives readers access to be like, oh, you know what? I really like that. Like if I hear yeah. um, age gap, I'm like, okay, I, yep. You have my right, attention. Fine. You know, <laughs> sell me. I'm here. Yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, like I'm the, the same way where I, I don't like, mm-hmm. I don't set out to be like, I'm going to write. The next one is going to be a um, you know, a second chance, age gap, like enemies to lovers, mm-hmm. enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers again. Like, <laughs> I'm, like I don't, I don't do that. But you know, you kind of start percolating an mm-hmm. idea, and you go like, oh, hey, that's that's actually this trope. Well, that's yeah. cool. Like, well, what mm-hmm. else can I put in here? Like, what else works here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of builds on itself. I don't think, I don't know. I'm sure there are writers who go like, I'm gonna do you know, X, Y, or Z yeah. next, but like, and, I, but honestly, they probably For don't me, work it's always well. the world building first, right? You, you yeah. get the character and then the tropes will come along. And the reason why tropes are so popular is because they are real life situations. Like, yeah. for mm-hmm. example, when everybody started going on book talk, when I went on book talk and everybody was like, enemies to lovers, you know, big time, big time, big time. Yeah. People started to tell their own stories. They're like, actually, this is what happened with me and my significant other, right? Me and my spouse yeah were enemies to lovers. These are real things. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they were like holding daggers to the throat, but the thing about writing is <laughs> not hope always not, necessarily, especially writing for female markets. Okay. And of course this is a generalization, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this is market research and stuff that I know, but writing for women is sometimes a bit different. And of course it applies to men too. Like I don't want to be super exclusionary. I'm just talking from like a business perspective. Women yeah. remember how you make them feel. You know, it's not so much like people will be like, how could you read a book where she holds, you know, where she stabs her her husband? Like, you know, if you did that in real life, you are going to jail. Yes, we understand. But it's not always about that. It is about the way you feel when you read mm-hmm. that, like that sense of yeah. distress, that sense of um, butting heads that comes in long term relationships or in the relationships tension. where you drive yeah. each other insane, you know, yeah. but you love yeah. each other so much, you know, and that's. That's something that is my biggest motto as a writer, 
Readers might love the story. They might love the world building. I hope they do. I really hope they do. But at the end of the day, the thing that they are going to take away from any of my books is not necessarily the details that I put into all of these things, but the way that it made them feel, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the emphasis on emotions and the way that women are raised and stuff like that. So I, I love that about reading and I think tropes communicate those feelings to me more so than just Mm -hmm. communicating situations they communicate in this I am going to feel this way and I really want that I really need that Mm -hmm. it's it's a shopping list for yeah it's a way like I think so many people don't realize that um in genres that are very heavily based around rules right and Mm -hmm. conventions which romance is maybe the most of that right like you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. in sci-fi you can do whatever you want in ya i guess with the caveat being that the characters are young adults Mm -hmm. um but in, in fiction the broad you know fiction category you can you can literally do whatever you want but in romance we have a set of rules and i i think that the reason we have that is because it is a genre built on the trust of the reader mm-hmm. and and tropes are a way to just shorthand you can trust that i'm going to have these things and mm-hmm. that i'm going to tell you this story and that's it like it's just it's a really easy way to be like i know what you're looking for i'm here for you i Mm -hmm. understand that this is a language between you and i the reader and the writer um so here you go take it or leave it uh Mm -hmm. and i i think that that is like actually really cool and very wholesome yeah (laughs) it's a really it's a really beautiful artistic exchange in my opinion okay yeah and and i think that because especially because so many romance readers now oh goodness what in in our author discord where we have a bunch of favorite mm-hmm. readers fantasy romance reader writers excuse me one of the people um uh was like i have this professor and he was like talking about how the only genre that should be self-published is romance because it lacks so much creativity and originality and and i was like in pain like making like pained (laughs) wincing noises in the background because i was like no the reason why is self-publishing obviously is not I am not a person that thinks that self-publishing is the only way to go. Um, I I obviously chose that way. So I think it was the way to go for me. But there are obviously a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons why someone might go somewhere else or do something different. But the idea is, is in self-publishing, you have so much relationship with your readers. You know Mm -hmm. their names. You know who it is you're talking to. You have groups where Mm -hmm. you interact with them, where you see their comments. It's not just reviews either. You're getting real-time, uncensored reactions to how people are going through that. And the reason why romance makes so much money, why it has so many avid readers, is because of that trust. It's a really Mm -hmm. beautiful artistic exchange. And so for publishers to not understand that and not always capitalize that, to me, is like a, a loss for them. Because as a person who has such a wonderful relationship with my readers and gets to talk to them and loves getting messages and chatting and opening the dialogue mm-hmm. between people, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a missed opportunity for writers because writers already are so introverted often, oftentimes, not always. <laughs> yeah. it's, it really helps to be like, okay, I'm putting this into the world. People are consuming it and then people 
love mm-hmm. it. People enjoy it. That's a really important thing. So I, and it's no better illustrated than uh, the last episode that came out, episode 85, which was The No Show by Beth O'Leary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a traditionally published book from a, you know, best selling author. And all of the marketing is geared towards making you think that the main character, this dude, stood up three different women on the same Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a romance novel. <laughs> and all of the marketing, all of the blurb, all of it, like, mm-hmm. is geared to just tell you, like, this man stood up three women on Valentine's Day. What could his story possibly be? Mm-hmm. Like, how could this possibly end up as a romance novel? Mm-hmm. And I I looked at it, and when it came in, and me and my, my coworker looked at it, we were like, huh, so you just... You just went ahead and just did the thing where you just <laughs> violated the reader's trust right from the get-go, yeah. huh? Oh, okay. Like that's a cool, whatever, mm-hmm. interesting premise. Not gonna, not gonna knock it. Whatever you want to say about like there being alleged cheating in a, mm-hmm. in a romance novel or not, that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But this idea that like traditionally published like romances are marketed so differently, as in like where. All of us are like, trust, trust, trust. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you exactly what's in my book. Mm-hmm. Here are the content warnings. Yep. Here's what it is. Like, I'm going to yeah. give you the whole plot Chad as much as I can. Chad content warnings. And I am, like, consistently no. starting to realize how much I do not like that. Okay? And we don't listen it to is, content like, warnings. It is, like, this yeah. book yeah. contains, like, a woman who is, it is, like, a sexually abusive relationship with mm-hmm. her boss. And then another woman getting hit by a car. Like, mm-hmm. and dying. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, and none of that is more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, that's a different conversation. No, it's like, just, trust yeah. is so important. Wild. Um, yeah. And we, we try, we always add, like, an author's note at the beginning of our books. Yeah. Um, it's a welcome to, like, letter. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's so, it's so mm-hmm. sweet. And it's just, like, you know, welcome to Aranthium. This is, like, a new adult world. <laughs> so there's yeah. things that happen. And there's language, and some of our some of our characters like are I think more crass than others. Like Eric yeah. is a pirate, and I think he's like piratey. He's a pirate. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. Hold on. I'm just realizing that I'm an idiot. I'm just re- hold on. His name's Eric. Mm-hmm. I should have. I'm just now. <laughs> I'm just now putting together that it's. I, Wow, I want you to know I didn't get that it was a Little Mermaid retelling until she lost her voice. Okay, hold on. I am, well, to be fair, he's okay. inspired by Captain Hook, so so that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like he has a prosthetic My arm. My favorite. I yeah. am. Uh, I love Captain Hook. Yeah, I did a book giveaway. Have you guys actually, read um, that was? Oh, sorry. That was really fun because I was like, okay, we're going to give away a copy of this book, right, for for promos. And I was yeah. like, for me, I need you to send me who you want to play a Captain Hook character. That was one of the funnest giveaways I've ever done. Like, just to yeah. see what people want, like, what kind of burly mm-hmm. man they want for that to envision. I'm like, yes, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Have, yeah. you, have you read Lost Boy by Christina Henry? It's I've, on my TBR. I have read part of it. Um, Elena's got my number. You know me, Elena? <laughs> yeah. We're in the same um, I'm wondering page. why Elena didn't tell me to read it if it was such a good inspiration <gasps> while writing this book. <laughs> it is scary. It, it is, is a really yeah. troubling mm-hmm. book. But it is Ooh. one of, like, the best books I've ever... Like, I don't care. I've read... I have... Okay. 
confession time. I have a weird obsession with Peter Pan in the Peter Pan universe. Mm. And my feeling is Peter Pan is, in fact, the the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. this book literally makes Peter Pan the villain. And it's uh, all about how um, Captain James Hook, before he was Captain James Hook, was just one of the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. He was, in fact, the first Lost Boy. Um, and it's him falling mm-hmm. out of love with being Peter's friend because it mm-hmm. turns out Peter doesn't give a shit about any of the kids that he brings to the island. He kidnaps them mm-hmm. essentially to be his playmates until they die or something else horrible happens to them or they grow up and then he casts them out and sends them to the pirates because he doesn't want them anymore. And he in uh Hook is left taking care of these mm-hmm. boys. He becomes their father and he mm-hmm. starts to really fucking resent Peter for getting all of these kids killed um, until Hook himself begins to grow up uh, through that hatred and Peter and him have a third thing and they lose a hand and there are giant spiders and it's <laughs> terrifying. It's really good. Yeah. It's one of my favorite books of all time. I love it. Yeah, it sounds fantastic and I love that perspective as well. I've, I've, I read a mm-hmm. paper once on that because traditionally when you study that story, like the idea is like, oh, it's childhood, right? It's the prospect of mm-hmm. growing up and Captain Hook represents like growing up. But when I, when I read a paper, I was like, actually, like you could also rethink about this, right? You can change this mm-hmm. and make it your own right just like what we talked about with Ju- Romeo and Juliet you can yeah. make this into some new meaning that's also just as significant culturally yeah. for you and for the people around you and I really really like that the way that they changed that for it's- me it was always Peter always represented the worst the most toxic traits of mm-hmm. of childhood um yeah. you know the the sociopathy of childhood before you realize that other people mm-hmm. are people and other people yeah. feel things mm-hmm. um and so you do terrible things as a kid without mm-hmm. you know um that's a that's part of being a, a caregiver to a child or i'm sure daniela being a teacher mm-hmm. um is teaching kids empathy it's a constant constant yeah. battle to be like no other people are people. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard because your frontal lobes are so small right now, but you got to think about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that is like what you do as a, as a parent, as a caregiver, mm-hmm. as, as anyone who spends time with children. You realize, mm-hmm. oh, God, they yeah. really don't know not to slap somebody in the face because mm-hmm. they've never been slapped in the face. They don't mm-hmm. know that they're causing pain because mm-hmm. they're yeah. babies. Um, so it is, to me, Peter represents that and i and hook isn't a good character either i don't think that i think Mm -hmm. he's very much a distillation of the most toxic masculine Mm -hmm. elite um Mm -hmm. he went to freaking trinity college like he's (laughs) like that's his whole story is he's so sad that he's been disavowed by his college mates um for being a pirate anyway Mm -hmm. he has his degree on his on his wall (laughs) it's really weird i love that well (laughs) i i i think it's genius i think that's the beauty Mm -hmm. of adult retellings of our favorite childhood fairy tales right and and i i am just going full throttle ahead with with mythology and fairy tale retellings which i'm just like i'm a retelling person and i make it hopeful and i make it nice and i make it my own but that is why i think so many people love them i've seen a lot of discussions around our book on instagram from people posting about Mm -hmm. it like well do you enjoy retellings and some people are like no a classic is a classic but those people are the minority a majority of Mm -hmm, people like i love them because it's my favorite 
favorite story reimagined in new ways that speak to me now that I am no longer a child, right? Now that I have grown mm-hmm. up, now that I have adult situations in my yeah. life, I can see how yeah. this might work. And that's one of the things um, in in for to talk about the pirate steel. There's a sexual assault, an attempted se- mm-hmm. sexual assault, in the book, uh, and. I put that in there because, first of all, it's put in a modern setting. I told Elena that that was something I felt needed to be included, not Mm -hmm. for shock value. But when we had started writing, I was like, she doesn't have a voice. She can't. And she's weak, right? She's weak. She's in a situation where she's on a boat being taken somewhere. Um, Her dad tells her that she's going to be taken somewhere else. And so she gets put on this boat by this all-human crew, which is un- unique because she's a mermaid. She's a mer, part of the merfolk. And uh, she's from a tyrannical sect of the merfolk, which has a demigod leading it, which is world building. And she is there, and most of them treat her quite well, except for this one really gross guy that everybody kind of knows is gross. But since they're an all-male crew, they're like, don't care, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. And then she comes in, she is weak because she now has legs and she has no Mm -hmm. voice. And that like flowed together within that. And then, you know, part of the story is her talking about coming to healing and her dealing with that assault then going into a romantic relationship, which is Mm -hmm. um, a real life story, not of me, not of Elena, but of somebody that I know. So that's that's another yeah. thing, right? We are reimagining these things, not just like, oh yeah, somebody picked her up and it was fine and nobody took advantage of her yeah. and everybody treated mm-hmm. her really well. It, it's actually, you will probably be taken advantage of in this situation, right? When you think about it. And writing a mute character, um, because I wrote Elena, was so fantastic to think of the ways that things would work out and the ways that um, people would react with these things. And I got a lot of inspiration from her from watching a movie um, called, oh goodness, it's called something about sound. I think it was Coda. No, it wasn't Coda. Coda was the one that won that has Eugenio Derbez in it. Um, which was good. It it has some stuff in that. I saw it after I finished writing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is good. But there was one before that called The Sound mm. of Metal, I think. And it's about a drummer oh, yeah, who yeah, yeah. uses mm-hmm. his hearing. Okay. And yeah. there were a couple of things I wanted to communicate with that after watching it as well and kind of getting that perspective. So as I started to do research and talk to people and tell stories that are not my own, right? Because that's part of writing sometimes. You you want to be very sensitive to that. Is the idea of she's mute, but the mute is not necessarily something that needs to be fixed. And that's mm-hmm. something that comes yeah. into play because she chooses time and time again when she gets the choice to have tail and be able to speak or have legs and not be able to speak. Instead of being like, oh, well, just fix it all. It doesn't need to be something that's fixed. You can exist in both places. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean you can't be powerful or productive or a part of the world, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah. really, really loved that movie. That movie inspired me quite a lot. So as I went into researching and talking to people, I was... I, I brought it up, I think, in every conversation. I was like, so what about this movie? What did you think about it? Was it accurate? You know, like yeah. trying to be like, it, was this a real experience? Because this made me feel things. Is this something that people mm-hmm. feel? Yeah. And the the resounding uh, answer was usually yes. I, I think there was only one person that was like, well, there was a few things. But but overall, like that movie did such a beautiful job of capturing that. So, yeah, you guys can watch Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> 
I think, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you on the train of like, you know, just because somebody has, you know, a disability or mm-hmm. something, um, that doesn't mean it's like their plot doesn't need to be that that thing needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, I frequently run into that where I'm like, well, okay. Like you don't. Yeah. Just because, you Mm -hmm. know, I think, you know, who did that really well recently was uh, Ruby Dixon's most recent uh, novella release from her Mm. Risdiverse series. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's When She's Lonely, I think is the title. Yes, Uh, that's the one. Yep. It's all about, yeah, it's all about a woman who is... Uh, partially deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, she She's hard of hearing. And mm-hmm. um, she is hiding it from everybody on this planet because she's terrified that if somebody finds out that she will be put down like a dog, essentially, mm-hmm. because a broken slave is a, you know, is a dead slave. Um, and she's not a slave anymore. But uh, she is living with this fear. Body remembers, and right? She, yeah. Her, yeah. Her everything remembers. And, and she... Um, she so everyone hates her because she always she never listens to people mm-hmm. and she's always yelling, um and she, it's really this book made me cry really really hard I like didn't expect Ruby to hit me so hard as she did and she freaking hit me man, mm-hmm. um but I I also like I loved that it her plot wasn't I kept expecting her love interest uh this big blue alien man to to be like okay well. Let's just get it fixed. We have like mm-hmm. alien technology. Like we let's go to the do- like it'll take ten minutes. Let's go get mm-hmm. it fixed for mm-hmm. you when he once he figures it out. And she goes, no, no, I don't want to. No. And mm-hmm. he goes, okay. And he just works with her to mm-hmm. to figure out how to communicate how what she needs. Um, yeah. And it's never a problem. And he doesn't badger her to get it fixed. And she does end up. Um, Getting things like she she does get implants at the end, mm-hmm. uh, like in the epilogue, but it's very clear that she's just like, well, we waited like a year because she still wasn't sure she wanted to do it. And also, like, here's the problem with getting the implants now. It didn't fix things. It just is a tool for her to use. I don't know. I just really, mm-hmm. oh, it was so good. It was so good. Those are the kind of books we need to show the, that kind of empathy, yeah. right? Because one of the mm-hmm. things when Elena and I first started writing in this before we had done this, when we started developing the world of Aranthium, I was like, give our mermaids wheelchairs. So mm-hmm. when you see pe- mermaids in, in Aranthium, usually they don't have legs because that's old magic. So they're not mute. They have wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Like, they, there is always going to be this yeah. give and take because just because you can fix things doesn't mean you should. But sometimes you also can't really fix it, right? Like, that was the thing in The Sound of Silence because he gets mm-hmm. um, cochlear implants, right, the, for the cochleas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his hearing is terrible. Like, he can't hear yeah. things. He hears static, and it gives him mm-hmm. headaches, and it's really painful, and it's like – wow, this didn't fix it, which is kind of like what Ruby Dixon did with, with her book as well, right? Mm-hmm, like, you yeah. know, it's a tool that she can use sometimes to help, but it is never going to to fix everything, which I think, um, yeah. yeah. And so and so at the end, like the epilogue of our book has has um, Eric having learned sign language and everybody around her learning sign language uh, so sweet. to communicate with her. It's so good. And, and so I good. loved writing that because first of all, like, it's, just as beautiful you know that's the thing that's the yeah. thing about it it is just as beautiful as any it evokes that same emotion of beauty and mm-hmm. love and acceptance as you are which we love in romance novels 
through yeah. this thing that is that she has, right? She can't speak. And so she writes him notes in the beginning. She doesn't know what to do because she can't talk and she feels the anguish of that because it's taken away from her. She didn't know it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so she deals with that first and then she starts writing him notes. And those notes are so lovely and they you know they describe personality she has terrible handwriting what are you gonna do with that so he gets her a cell phone so that they can text each other and then that becomes a means of communication for her and at no point do you feel like oh I can't communicate with this person this is a person Mm -hmm. who can speak and a person who can't and they fall madly in love just Mm -hmm. the same as anyone else right their words are still there and there's only one small part where she gets her voice back and then she's like, I don't, I can't exist like this anymore. I don't want to. And in mm-hmm. fact, there's also a point where, where um, Zeus is like, with Zeus hubris, it's like, I can fix it. And he, he almost mm-hmm. kills her. So, yeah. So that's one of the things. That ah, good old well. Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Never change. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I like, guys. I like so. Zeus. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> We are we are here at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. It has been lovely to talk about all the all the good things with y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we need to know where the heck can people get your books and what do you got coming up next? That's such a good question. So we're like super. Um, we're, I guess we'll do socials first. I am mm-hmm. at author Elena R Gailey G A L L E A on like all the things well all the things that matter to me which are instagram and tiktok um so i don't do twitter um fair enough but uh, those that's where i am i do have a facebook page but it's like instagram but on facebook um so that's where i am and daniela is so i'm at den author daniela a mara Okay, um, so mm-hmm. you can find me anywhere. Facebook, Instagram. Okay, actually not Twitter. Not anywhere. Because Twitter is trash and I don't <laughs> like being there. Um, so Fair Instagram. enough. You're right. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. Also, can't confirm. For my serial series, I also have a Ko-Fi. I did not get Patreon. And I don't know if that was a good choice or not. But I am at Ko-Fi also. You can find me there and you can read my serial episodes. Um, it's a dollar mm-hmm. and I release eight episodes every month. Um, a lot of fun. Really great series there. For our books, mm-hmm. we are Amazon exclusive for the moment. Um, we mm-hmm. currently, you can order the paperback if you desire. Um, we are going to have signed stickers. I just need to mail them from Mexico to Canada. But we have them. Um, yeah, and then once they get here, then they'll send out. Yeah, they should get there this week probably because I'm going to mail them tomorrow. Um, so you can also be ordering those. Just check our socials for that if you would like them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get international author signatures. They will have been in three countries if you live in the U.S. <laughs> by the time you ordered them. And uh, we, all of our books actually are Amazon. So you can look at our author pages. Yep. We both have websites um, as well that are linked in, in any of the socials. So you can check us out there mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, Daniela yeah. has the third book of her trilogy coming out in August, which is exciting, yes. very thrilling. Um, and I mm-hmm. have the first book of a new new adult series. This one is romantic fantasy, so I'm not promising. Well, I am promising a happily ever after at the very end. Eventually, but, yeah, um, at the end. Oh, <laughs> ominous. As a pantser, yeah. I can only tell you that I only know what's happening one book at a time. So <laughs> that's how it's going to go. Um, but I do write Happily Ever Afters. Um, if you end up picking up my YA dystopian trilogy, I will tell you that anyone who survives will have a Happily Ever After at the end. 
Yes. Oh. The latest dystopian trilogy is okay. very popular. It is YA fantasy. Uh, yeah. It's really, really good. Um, and then for me, for our what, what books, we will be publishing. We Our first one comes out May 24th, right? The Pirates Deal. Or the second one, the one that we've mm-hmm. been talking about in this episode. Which will be tomorrow in, in listener okay. time. Okay. Oh, oh, tomorrow in listener time. So, and then uh, for our next book, it comes out in November. I have the actual date, but it, I mean, there is a pre-order up for the ebook currently at ninety-nine cents. Um, you can pre-order if you enjoy the book. You can also help us with that at all. We um, probably are going to reach our pre-order goal for the Pirates deal. I'm confident, even though there's only a week left. Mm. And outside of that, uh, we we plan on publishing two of these novels, two of our Ranthony novels for the indefinite future. Okay, so they mm-hmm. are. Um, outside of that, I think the only other thing to mention would be... Uh, Oh, to sign up for our newsletters if you want giveaways and special stuff like that as well. Um, we have some pretty fun stuff that we do there. We like to give out freebies, um, extra mm. chapters, all kinds of stuff like that. So if you are interested in following mm. us, especially now that you have heard about me and my manic world building for two episodes, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can yep. definitely do that. So, Yeah. All right. All right. Well, the links for at least most of those things will be in the description as usual. All the social medias, all the links to the books and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Pirate Steel will be out uh, tomorrow. It's coming out on a Thursday. Tuesday. Right? Tuesday. Tuesday. Coming Tuesday. out on Tuesday? Wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I a fool? So Hold on. <laughs> and I'm wrong. Is, Hold on. Is it, is, yeah, it's this one right here. Here's Tuesday. You can see it on my little kindergarten calendar. Oh, my God. <laughs> my Hold background. on. Now I'm, now I'm freaking out. Hold on. When is this episode coming out? Okay, so it come out. Oh, I just. <laughs> You're right. I'm just. I'm just dumb. It's fine. Don't worry about. It. Don't worry about. It. it is. It's already out. Y'all can get it now. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. We still want people to no find it then. So. Yeah. Love it. I don't have a. I don't have a good grasp on linear time or math. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm very bad at math too. That's why I ended up having to do a two-year time jump because I lost control of the timeline. So I just had to go ahead. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. That'll do it. Um, so all the links are gonna be below. You can get the book now. <laughs> That's great. Yay. It's a happy surprise. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Look at that. Um, but you could. I mean, you could have already gotten the the paperback edition if you mm-hmm. wanted. But- that's cool. It's gorgeous. Um, we then, have a lot of fantastic editing there. There's some original illustration of like pirate ship and yeah. a mermaid tail, mm-hmm. and then, of course the the cover is an original illustration as well. Gorgeous. So. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, I have things. Do I have things? I got things. I always got things. I don't know. I got two books coming out <laughs> within like a month of each other because I'm stupid. So nice. like if you're into that sort of thing in July, I have my novella collection, July 12th. Um, first novella collection comes out. Hey, it's Ooh. hey, it's long. Hey, it's got three <laughs> of my really long novellas in it. That's awesome. And uh, the first one is about a demon and a fey changeling trapped in a jar. The second one is about a dragon and a scientist. And then uh, she's human, has no magic. It's a whole thing. Um, and then uh, the third one is about San Francisco's sentient fog and him falling in love with a uh, in a journalist who is attempting to write a book about him. Um they make a they make a little bit of a bargain because he doesn't want to give anybody his secrets. And then he's like, hey, actually, you're pretty cute. <laughs> I'll trade some things for some things. I love things. Abigail's storyline. <laughs> wink, They're wink. So good. <laughs> Honestly, 
most of what I do, like every time I come up with a stupid story, like plot, I'm just like, does that make me laugh? All right. Now let's put some angst in it. <laughs> let's make one of them a veteran. Like, sure. Um, so anyway, I it's it's based on the I don't know if you guys know, um, there's a meme from San Francisco that is uh, our fog is named Carl. Um, and he has he has social media. Oh, my um, goodness. He has his own, like, social media I've following. I've seen that only because I was born and raised in San Diego, and we make fun of San Francisco a lot because it's the other world. <laughs> it's it's fine. We make fun of San Diego all the time, too. <laughs> um, so it's, it's definitely uh, reciprocated. Um, but uh, I thought it would be really funny to have, that, to have Carl the Fog bone down. Um, so he does. <laughs> And that's the extent of it. That's not the extent of it. It's like, it's very long and it's quite something. And it's, he has a tragic backstory that I didn't anticipate. I'm like a cross between a pantser and a, and a, you know, a plotter. So mm-hmm. that I have a general idea and then I end up surprising myself and making myself sad. Um, oh. But you yeah. can read that on Patreon right now. It's releasing as a mini serial. Um, it comes out in the novella collection on July 12th, but until then, it's going to be on my Patreon, um, and then I'm taking a brief break from doing novellas to write book two, which is called, um, I think I've only announced it on Patreon, but, like, it's not really a secret. It's called uh, Courtship's Conquest oh. is the second book, um, and I have not announced what that one's about yet, <laughs> and I am, because I'm teasing everybody with it, um, but I also have Consort's Glory. That's coming out August 6th. It's a thing. I don't know. I don't know. I've talked about it a lot. There's a whole episode on it if you want to listen to it. Um, I don't know what more to say about it. Please buy it. I don't talk about it. I don't know. I don't know how to do book promo. <laughs> Marketing in a nutshell. Please buy yeah. it. I don't know. I have a podcast. It's what else do you want good, from me? Like... <laughs> um, okay. You can follow me on social media, Kingdom Thirst everywhere except for the places that i'm not abigail k kelly except for the places that i'm not actually just twitter don't follow me anywhere else it's abigail k kelly um and you can listen to the show next week and every week in perpetuity until i die um so that's it thanks y'all for being on it's been great thank you yeah it's great to be here thank you so much abigail it was another excellent episode i can't wait for my full villain arc I come back. I love it. I love it. Alrighty, y'all. See you next week. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media/slash podcasts. 